I was just sitting there. I had this verse on my mind a little bit this morning. It's a verse out of Nehemiah. I'll read it to you. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And they read in the book in the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. That's what I want to do this morning. God enable me to do it, please. I want to talk to you this morning about, try to, wisdom in a mystery that's revealed. Wisdom in a mystery revealed. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And look at verse 6 through 8. First Corinthians chapter 2 verse 6 to begin. How be it? We speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. I want to go through those and try to make sense out of, give the sense, not make sense. God does that. Give the sense of the language. In verse 1 of that chapter, if you'll look at that for just a second, Paul states that he did not come to these believers in excellence of speech or wisdom in declaring the testimony of God. But in this passage, verse 6, he begins with the word, how be it? That means however. However. You can replace that word with however. He's saying that he does nonetheless Speak wisdom. It's just not the wisdom of the world. The wisdom that he speaks is the gospel. The preaching of Christ and him crucified. And he's speaking to them that are perfect. Look at verse chapter 1 and 23 and 24. Chapter 1, we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews, a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. That is the mystery of God revealed. Hebrews 1 And verse 2 says that God hath in these last days spoken to us by His Son. That means that He speaks, God speaks, in the language of His Son. The language 
speaks to us in the language of His Son. The meaning of the word perfect there in, in, uh, is, is means to be mature or grown up or grounded in the truth. And He speaks this wisdom among those who know the gospel. That's what those verses are saying. Those who know the gospel. Who know God in Christ. He's speaking to those who speak the same language. That word perfect here in this context doesn't mean here that they were sinless. Paul's argument is not addressing that subject. He's saying that they were qualified to understand. He's saying that that they were qualified to understand the gospel in contrast to the world's carnal minded, carnally minded, who reject the wisdom of the gospel and the things of Christ as being foolishness. It's not the language they speak, but it's the wisdom of God. And that mystery has been revealed. Paul is saying here that he preaches the gospel to every man. And what he preaches is foolishness to the world's wisdom. Paul is speaking to believers and worshipers of Christ. Now that word perfect may also be applied to the work that Christ accomplished on Calvary's tree through which and by which we stand perfect before God. Christ has, by one offering, perfected forever them that are sanctified. What offering? The offering of Himself. Those perfect ones that that could be in the meaning of this word perfect have the gift of faith. And God has abounded toward them in all wisdom and prudence. God's people know all things. He says, you know all things. Now that doesn't mean you're a genius, but you know all things that pertain to redemption. You got it. There's nothing more. All wisdom. These are the elect to whom he has made known the mystery of his will. Now, then again, in verse 6, Paul reiterates that in no way when he speaks, what he speaks involves the wisdom of the world because that wisdom comes to nothing. That's said in 1 John. Verse 7, those who are described here as perfect are those who have been ordained by God to receive and embrace the truth. I'm sorry. Those who are... Notice the word even and wisdom in verse 7. Both of those words are in italics indicating that they've been supplied by our translators 
and the sense would be more clear and easily understood if they were taken out. A better reading of the verse would be this, if you look at it. We proclaim the divine wisdom hidden in a mystery. Paul is not saying that he is preaching, his preaching was mysterious, nor that his doctrine was not, or that his doctrine was unintelligible, but he refers to the fact that the wisdom has been hidden in a mystery from people up until that time. That time. But it's now revealed in and by the gospel. In other words, he does not say that what he was then declaring was hidden in a mystery, but that he had that he made known the divine wisdom which had been hidden from the minds of the people for ages. The word mystery with us is, is commonly understood as something to be uncipherable, uh, not to be understood, that which is beyond comprehension. And it's often applied to such doctrines that are, that are difficult when, and, and which we're not able to explain. But that's not the sense in which Paul uses the word mystery here. Our Lord said, It is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it's not given. That's the contrast between verse 1 and verse 6. He speaks of the wisdom of the world and then the wisdom of God's people in a mystery. This mystery spoken of here is applied to those truths which until the revelation of Christ were concealed from the people. They were either hidden under obscure types, shadows, or prophecies in the Old Testament which had been altogether unrevealed and unknown to the world until Christ came. <coughs> in fact, it remains a mystery to the world and to its legal works religion to this very day. Mm-hmm. To this very day. Their minds were blinded for until this day remains the same veil not taken away in the reading of the Old Testament which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day, when Moses is read out of the Old Testament, the veil is still upon their hearts. In reality, what is revealed, what is revealed, is very plain, it's easily understood. The doctrines to which this word relates may be in themselves clear and simple, but they're hidden in mystery until they are miraculously revealed by God in the giving of that soul life from the dead. Totally goes over their head. Our Lord, thank God, His Father. And He said this, I thank Thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hid these things from the wise and the prudent and have revealed them unto babes. And he also said this, it's given unto you 
to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it's not given. Now I want to consider the meaning of that. That statement means that the believer speaks a mysterious language that natural man can never understand or perceive. Because God-given faith produces no... Now listen to me. God-given faith produces no visible evidence except that faith which is given to His children. And faith is invisible. Faith, faith, false religion has hordes of evidence that proves them to be God's children. They look at themselves. They look at their works. They take satisfaction in those things. But the evidence is only in that which they can see and what others can see. Praise the Lord. All the religious antics that go along with those things that proves them to be people of God. That only satisfies the mind of natural men. The children of God walk by faith and not, not by sight. I want you to see that Paul is addressing the mind of God here. The reason why the world can't, cannot grasp the meaning of the mystery and the reason that God's elect do grasp it is that it's ordained of God, ordained of God for His people, individuals. And only for His people alone. This hidden wisdom was ordained for the glorification of God's elect in Christ. I don't know whether you saw that or not. Look at 7, verse 7. God ordained, this amazed me when I saw it. God ordained, which God ordained before the world unto who? Our glory. Not His. And maybe that glory is not visible at this point, but it's going to be one time in eternity. How that ought to put a smile on our faces. Thank God for His love. He's not left us to ourselves. We're bound to give thanks always to God. Beloved brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen us to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and what? Belief. Faith in the truth. Whereunto He called us by the gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. That gospel is the mystery revealed. Christ is the mystery revealed. In verse 8, something which I which, which the, the, the longer I thought about, the, the, the more interesting it got to me. At face value, look at verse 8. It's saying that if the princes of this world had known that Christ was the Son of God, they would never have even attempted or even, even ventured to destroy such a dignity. Uh, but why would that be the case? 
who, what, when, where, why, and how. That's how you read this book. Why wouldn't they have wanted to do so? They would. They 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 would. Have, that that can only be caused by a couple of things. One, if they had known who he was, that he created the world and all things in it, the universe, that he was God, they wouldn't have killed him. Why? Self-preservation. And political advantage. Had they known the power and authority that he possessed over the world and its very existence and them and their existence, they would have joined the same political party. Yeah. For the power that they might be delegated. That makes sense, doesn't it? If they had known, they would have not have killed him to gain personal advantage in this natural world and personal power. But I say this, what, but, what, but, but what if they knew and believed that he must suffer these things and enter into his glory? What if they'd known that? What if that was the cause of them not killing him? What if they knew and believed that he was redeeming a people and chose not to kill him? Just think of the obstinate, stubborn nature of false religion and our own depraved nature and utter rebellion. Men would choose their own works to justify themselves rather than to receive it freely from another. Men would choose their own way, their own merit, over that of Christ crucified as their only hope of salvation. It's like the fellow that David spoke of the other night. The fellow that told him he wasn't coming back to church, I'll make it on my own. No, that won't work. That won't work. Not for me. Would men refuse Christ as all of salvation in order to hold on to their notion of free will and personal merit? Yeah, they would. If you don't believe that, if you've never read the Fox Book of Martyrs, read it. Man, they were killing. In either case, the fact remains that they did not know he was the Lord of glory. And in their vile hatred, they crucified him exactly as God had ordained. And he's ordained that his children would see the hidden mystery open to their God-given understanding and that in Christ and his work in justifying his people. Those who understand this mystery are described in verse 10. Didn't read it, but we will. Verse, Verse 10, God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. Go back to verse 7 there. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, 
even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world under our glory. Now let's ask this question. What is this wisdom of God in a mystery? I think the answer is given over in Romans. He says, Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began. But now, now is made known, made manifest, made visible. And by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. If I can try and give the sense of that, simply stated, the revelation of this wisdom of God in a mystery is contained in the gospel. It's contained in the gospel. The seed of woman was prophesied in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. This will give you some sense of it, I do hope. I'm going to give you a couple examples. As it was stated, it was an unrevealed mystery. Can you imagine having nothing but the Old Testament and reading in the very first book of the Bible these words? It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. What in the world did that mean? What, was that a mystery? Yeah, because Christ had not been revealed in fulfillment of that prophecy. The mystery unrevealed at the time that was said to be Satan. The mystery unrevealed at the time this was said to Satan himself was Christ and him crucified in the gospel. Isaiah said this. He spoke of a child being born. He said, and for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. You see the name Jesus in there anywhere? His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. It's rather mysterious that God might become a man. Did you get that out of that scripture? That's His name. A child born. The Mighty God. That was a mystery. That was a mystery. But there it is. His name shall be the mighty God. That mystery was manifest and made known only when Christ came into this world. Listen to this prophecy. Exodus chapter 13. It says this. Sanctify unto me all the firstborn. Whatsoever openeth the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and of beast, is mine. Now, 
rather delicate here. I know that that verse speaks of the firstborn of man, but it also says of beast there. I don't have any explanation for that, but I can explain man. Technically speaking, no man of Israel, no one ever born in Israel, no one ever born has ever opened the womb of his mother. You realize that? Until Christ came. He's the only man that ever opened the womb of a woman. Who opened the womb of your mother? Your father. Your father. Who opened the womb of Mary? Huh? Of our Lord. The mother of our Lord. It was Christ himself. He was born a virgin and miraculously conceived by the Spirit of God. Do you remember this? When Mary took the newborn Lord Jesus to the synagogue to do the custom of the law, Simeon recognized him by the Spirit of God. I can't quite explain that, but he understood the Scriptures in the Old Testament. He knew there was one coming, and he knew there was going to be a child born and that it was going to bruise Satan's heel or head. But he recognized him by the Spirit of God as the one prophesied to come. And in Luke, it says this, Simeon took him up in his arms, that baby. And when he took him up in his arms, he understood and saw the God who created the heavens and the earth. And he said, Lord, he blessed God. And he said, Lord, now lettest thou my servant, thy servant, depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen your salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of Thy people Israel and Joseph, list this, and Joseph and Mary marveled at the things which Simeon spoke of Christ. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, your child, behold, your child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against that the thoughts of many hearts, this is, the thoughts of many hearts shall be revealed. Every heart here of a believer this morning has been revealed to God. How did old Simeon recognize him? By the power of the Spirit of God. He was holding in his arms the mighty God. Wisdom, the wisdom of God in a mystery had been revealed to him right there in that synagogue in the form of that baby. The Apostle John was standing with two of his disciples one day and they were watching Christ. His buddy standing next to him. Christ, they saw him walking. 
And John pointed at Christ said, Hey guys, there goes the Lamb of God. There He is. Huh? He ain't no lamb. He ain't no lamb. All of those lambs, thousands upon thousands that were sacrifices in the Old Testament are finally revealed. There He is. In the person of Christ. He's the wisdom of God in a mystery revealed. Mm-hmm. Wisdom of God, who is Christ, can only be found in the gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation. Yes. That makes me tremble in my boots standing here. That God would use these words to quicken the soul of some lost sinner. Our God has determined, He's dead set determined that not all of the human race is, is going to perish. He said, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And I'll add these words, there ain't nothing you can do about it. There ain't nothing you can do about it. Christ has died. He's redeemed the people and God's going to call them. He's granting that people an ungodly, dead dog, Sinners, faith to believe that Christ has indeed obtained redemption for a people. Christ has come, taken the sin of the elect, and put it away forever. The salvation of God's children, of His elect, is done. It's accomplished. It's over. And somebody's going to hear about that and say, wow. That's me. That's me. You believe after you hear of your salvation. Read that in Ephesians. You don't believe until you hear of your salvation. And when you hear it, you're amazed that it's already done. Finally, I, I, I believe that every essential part of this mystery is revealed of Christ can be found in the book of Ephesians, and I'll leave you with this. Paul wrote this letter to the Ephesians to a, to a Gentile. They were a Gentile church. It was a bunch of Gentiles. And to that point, only the promises were revealed to, to Israel. It was, it was a nation. And... Paul took this message to the world and Peter. But the the purpose of his writing to the Ephesians was that by revelation, it was made known to him this mystery, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men as it is now revealed unto his Apostles and prophets by the Spirit that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of this promise revealed in the mystery. That they should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of the same promise in Christ by the gospel. 
whereof Paul was made a minister, according to the gift of the grace of God unto him by the effectual working of God's power. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given to reveal it, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Christ, to the intent that now, unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be made known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. (coughs) The things of that mystery are multiple things. They're the things of Christ. But all those things that have been revealed in Christ is that mystery openly made manifest Mm -hmm. and fulfilled. So when somebody talks to you about a mystery, you know a mystery that's been revealed in the sense in which we understand it. Paul took it to the Gentiles. That's what I just read. Mm -hmm. That's a part of the revelation of that mystery. And how we ought to thank God. It ought to thrill our souls. Every one of us. That the Gentiles sitting here this morning are recipients and in the family tree of what Paul revealed when he revealed that mystery in Christ. And wrote it down for us to pass it on to others. Pray that the Lord blesses him.